0: Or visit our page at MyFaithWay.org. Now let's experience life in a new way. The Faithway. We are on. Welcome, welcome to our Friday kickoff of our conference. How many of you guys are blessed and excited to be here? Amen. Hallelujah. So we are so excited. You know, we've been working endlessly. And, you know, we've all been... um, creating that, that, um, I guess you can say it's not anxiety, but we are just so, so looking forward to this and excited about it. Um, and it's finally here and we've been waiting all week and it seemed like Friday was never going to get here and it's finally here. So we're excited and we're so, so thankful that you guys chose to worship with us this entire weekend and be here tonight. You know, it's very important that we take time out of our busy schedules to be here so that we can be filled and get that gas that we need inside of our, our spirits and in our minds, so that we can go out and do what God has called us to do, right? We're His hands and His feet. How can we deliver if we don't fill? So, thank you guys for being here. We're so excited. We have special services um, tonight tomorrow and sunday you do not want to miss anything because you never know where god said okay you know what you better come so if he's stirring something inside of you saying you know what maybe i should go just listen to it no excuses show up and get here because that word is going to be for you planted in your heart so we look forward to this um we will not have we announced this on sunday we will not have our nursery or jam Cub or um our kids' church is open um, throughout this weekend except for Sunday. Sunday morning, we will resume as, as usual. Um, right after worship, all of our kids will be dismissed to their respective classrooms. But tonight, we will not have them open because all of our leaders deserve to be here. Don't you guys think that? All of our helpers, all of our leaders, I think we all deserve to be here. Amen. So kids are more than welcome to stay here because, you know, this is how we train our kids. This is how we train our world. This is how we plant our seed. And we have our kids here listening to the word. And they receive. You will not know how much they receive until you you ask them and they start just speaking and speaking. And these little ones can minister to us. So um, tomorrow's service will kick off at 7 p.m. Also, please um, attend. Bring someone with you. Don't just show up drag somebody here offer them um dinner and say or you know what let's go to the movies pastor always says hey I'll take you out to eat you want to go out to eat and then just start driving off like if you're going to Laredo and then just turn into our parking lot and bring them here and say oh I meant to tell you after church I'll take you to go eat so bring them um, it's going to be a blessing this entire weekend and we look forward to some special performances of our very own Callie um, we have Quincy here for our first time we're so excited to hear Pastor Quincy and we have um, also uh, Elsa and Bennett. So we're very excited for all of the word that they have, you know, prepared for each and every one of us. So, um, if you are tuned in online, let us know that you are watching with us and let us know where you're tuning in from. And remember, it is not a computer that's engaging and speaking to you. It is a live team. So if you have any prayer requests or if you have any questions, um, just send something inside the chat. Send an emoji. Give your praise hands. Give your amens, your yeses, your hallelujahs, and someone will respond with you. So at this time, I'm going to pass this over to Pastor Box as he does all the introductions
1: you glory to god well in good native tradition they were late just saying just saying you know, they couldn't see the moon that's why they showed up late now it was actually a bad accident if you thought why did we're, praise and worship go really long that was on purpose okay <laughs> we're getting secret text messages like we're almost there you know one more song play another chorus now, we're so excited to have, of course, Helson's family. Um, he doesn't need an introduction, and I'll, you know, I'll turn this over to him in a moment. But um, this weekend, I want to I want to take a few minutes because it's going to... There are two things I'm going to be sharing. I'm not going to be preaching, but I will be talking in between, you know. And don't leave tonight after, after Quincy's done. We'll pick up tonight's offering. You know, and I want to teach a little bit on, on some of the things the Lord has given me. But I want to take just a minute because I know the Lord really spoke to me about, you know, this weekend... And I just spoke to me, you know, it's also just in my heart, uh, it's a weekend of honor and I want to just be completely straight up to what I've been wanting to share. And this church, you know, as much influence as it's had, you know, with, and I was sharing with Quincy, with the size of church we are and the community we are and have, and be able to teach, you know, go to other nations and, and have the influence, especially now the work in Cuba that has grown so much and and is having, like, major, major impact now on a national level in the island, still amazes me how God can do something when you just let God be God. Amen? You know, take a, a group of people like ourselves and, and just do some amazing things. But here's the thing. None of that would have happened without the amazing leadership that the church has. And, you know, we've, we've navigated through some seasons in our own personal life, and I'm just being really honest with you, just brutally honest. If it wasn't for the quality of leaders that we have in our church, I'm not even sure if the church would be around today, you know? And we're going to honor them on Sunday, but I want to I want to share something, and you know all those that work behind the scenes, because you know those of you that show up. By the way, Friday night crowd, you guys are like the hardcore crowd, so God bless you, right? You know, tomorrow we'll drag somebody else with you, like Kathy said. But you know, um, in in the book of Numbers, and you don't have to go there if you don't want to, but I'm just going to post something out. You know, Moses was overwhelmed with the work, and. He finally gets to this point where I can't do this, and trust me, I've been there so many times in the last 28 years of my life. But God deals with him. Well, actually, his his father in law starts dealing with him. But you know, they have this conversation. Says, "You can't do this. You know, you know, it's too much for you." And I just want to pull something out because I don't want to take from Quincy's time. But it says in verse 16 in Numbers 11, says the Lord said unto Moses, "Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people." and the officers over them and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee and I will come down and talk with thee there and this is what I want you to understand this is to me like so rich and so you know relevant to our church I will take, this, take of the spirit which is upon thee and I will put it upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee and thou bear it if not by thyself alone so you know you can read further down, then you get down to verse, you know, and let me, um, verse 25, you know, there's a few things that happened, but for sake of time, I'll just skip it. It says, and the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied and did not cease. Now the word prophesy there is not telling somebody's future. You're, you're, you're a voice for God now. And what I've seen, you know, it's again. I'm i really, want to dedicate this whole conference to to faith leadership, you know, because they've made this thing keep it. It keeps it going, you know. And I and, I, and we'll go through names. Like I say we'll honor honor them on Sunday. But, you know, seeing you guys, you know, get around a vision, not around a preacher, not around a name, has blessed me so much, you know. And seeing that. You guys picked up on the vision that it wasn't about us, it wasn't about this, you know, because this is a different church. This is a very missions lean church. You know, we're very lean into missions, more so than a lot of churches that I even personally know. And to see, you know, teams like the ones that went to Cuba this year, you know, just, you know, and just minister to the children, which was, you know, really on your own. You know, I just kept nodding my head. Pastor, you want to do this? Mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Then you guys somehow raised $14,000 and had nothing to do with the church money, you know, you guys raised it. Went over there, blessed the people, and this is the thing that the church has to understand. I went back, and I see it, you know, I've been going to Cuba for many years, but the seed that has been sown in the children's ministry and the youth ministry in Cuba, you have no idea the explosion that has happened in that church. I mean, it's, it's insane. I mean, we're insane because there's so many young people, so many kids. That wasn't the case for that church. Now, that church has always been very dynamic and so forth. I've been working with that church since 2014, and they had a relatively small, you know, kids' ministry you know, and, a, and a good youth ministry. Those kids, you know, you poke them and scripture comes out. You know, they're, they're, they're if you go down there and think you're going to teach them, you know, you're not going to teach them a whole lot. You know, you're going to teach them how to do things, but not a lot of scripture. But now, since the team went, you know, the first seed that you guys sowed in, um, when was it, yeah, 2019, 2019, summer 2019. And they ministered to over 600 kids all over, you know, not all over the island, but, they, you know, they, they covered a lot of area of the island. Um, well, we see that harvest. And that, and that, you know, where I'm going with this is because of this scripture. Because that's what I see. You know, what, what God called my wife and I to do in, you know, 20, not 20, 1994. Some of you weren't even born, all right? So that's how long we've been doing this. And, you know, it was just us two. And her sisters were up there for a season with us. So it was basically four of us had this crazy idea that we're supposed to start a church of all places. Mirando City, Texas, which is only known for two things for lalas and peyote. All right, that's it, there's nothing else <laughs> happening over there. But, um, and, and I, you know, I could take you guys, those of you that are near to Faithway and those watching us online, we have people you know from different parts of the country now watching us. It was such an adventure, you know, because so many things that God told me that I didn't not make sense to me then, but now they make perfect sense we're hard, you know, don't promote your ministry, don't ask for places to preach, you know, don't, you know, don't get in debt, that was a big one, remember that one, H, we were tempted, when they used to dangle, the, when we were in such a problem here trying to build this thing, you know, all these adventures, and, and a lot of you have been with us throughout the adventures, you know, of course, I see in the back row back there, Miriam, not they were there at that little house, you know, in Miranda City, and then we met Gladys through divine intervention, totally divine intervention, and we had, you know, that little building, and there was nothing else. And then, through God's grace and a lot of miraculous and a lot of prayers, we were able to build this. And then that happened, and then that happened, and everything to God's glory, completely debt free. Come on, He deserves a hand clap for that, all right? Did you see? Back when God told me, and again, I'm just talking a little bit about, you know, the history because it's our anniversary, so y'all bear with me. When God told me, "Don't you ever get in debt," you know, what's talking about my personal life. He said the church, because I don't want my house ever to be in debt. I didn't, I didn't really understand it. So there was a time when we were trying to build this. And we, we, we didn't have any money, and we had all these trusses. I've shared this story, you know. All this, I designed it myself, and, and if it falls down, it's on me, all right. But it's, it's, it hasn't fallen in 20 years, so we're good. But um, we had all these wooden trusses. You can't see them worth, what was it? It's like $16,000 we paid for just the trusses. Remember, I mean, it was a lot of money. It was, and they were just sitting out here getting wet because we didn't have any more money to do anything else. <laughs> that was it. And they're starting to warp. Now, these are big trusses. I mean, you can imagine, because I didn't want any pillars, because I figured if there was pillars, somebody would hide back the pillar and go to sleep, and then I couldn't see, you, right? So I didn't want, I wanted to make sure I didn't have any pillars, so we had, you know, we designed it in a certain way, and there was beams and all kinds of stuff up in the attic. But the trusses were were warping, and at that time, the bank came by, spoke to me, said, hey, if y'all need a line of credit... And I started foaming at the mouth. I'm like, yes, because I'm seeing 16000 or whatever it was. It was a lot of money back then, still a lot of money today, going to waste. And then the Lord reminded me, I told you, don't get in debt. So somehow we navigated through like, okay, but no, all right? Remember, they, asked, they came to AIDS. I mean, we didn't look for them. They, they kept seeing our construction. They figured we better help these guys. They're never going to get this thing built, right? But, um, you know, through God's grace and all kinds of different things that, that happened, we were able not to do it well. As you guys know, you know, the church was doing good. Well, the the recession hit in 2008. And nobody in our church, you know, lost their jobs. Nobody lost their homes. Nobody lost anything. But in their head, Quincy, that something happened. And our finances went 50% down. And back then, you know, we were all over the place. We were in Ukraine, you know, going to a lot of stuff. And here's why God is so much smarter. Now we're talking fast forward 14 years. If we would have gotten in debt during that season, because of you know even my personal finances, whatever, we would have probably lost the building. So remember, God's more, God's smarter than you. All right, and sometimes the stuff that He tells you to do doesn't make sense. You know, some, there's people driving up in this highway tonight saying, "Look at those crazy people on a Friday night in church." Amen. It doesn't make sense to them, but the fact that you're here. You don't know this kind of stuff that God is already setting up, not only for tomorrow, but for 10 years down the line. You know, God is not limited by, by the framework of time. And a lot of the things that I'm sharing, just kind of a little bit of the history of the church, you know, I don't want to take a lot of time, but this is, you know, like our celebration for, the, especially those that are newer. We've gone through a lot of seasons. There were seasons where it was almost every chair was filled, and there were seasons where only a handful were back. And, you know, now they're coming back and so forth. So, you know, we're excited for what's coming up. And again, going back to my original thing, none of this, none of this, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for the leadership of the church. You know, I, I did my part, but, but, it, but my part is very limited. So anytime you see a leader, you thank them, all right? You see people on the praise and worship team. Because this is one thing about Faithway, and, and this is what's, not only Faithway, all churches in America, but this one to me just amazes me. Those of you that are, that are looking like from the outside in, or, or you're just, oh, I love my church, I'm not really serving, but think about how amazing it is. This whole church, the whole staff, and we have amazing people. I mean, golly, I mean, they just really set everything up and do things. And none of them get paid. You know, they do it completely out of their heart. You know, and not only on that, you know, because a lot of these leaders, since they have taken the spirit, and that's where I'm going with this. I'm taking a long time, but the spirit rested on them now, not the spirit of, okay, we're, we're serving faith. We know the vision that God gave to this to us as a community well, guess what? Not only are they serving with no salary, when, when, when it comes time to take care of stuff, they take care of a lot of stuff. Not only are they serving for free, they're also supporting and paying. And, you know, we had some stuff this week that came up and, you know, called them. And I said, okay, just, you know, pay for it and I'll reimburse you. And all these conversations go on behind the scenes. And many, many times they're like, no, pastor, it's taken care of. And I'm like, no, I want to pay you. No, you don't have to pay me. Just, to, you know, the heart. So for those of you that, that say, how does this work? No, it's not on me. It's on them. Amen? Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. I really... So right now, as I close for this moment, I'm going to talk a little bit every night about our leadership, and then we're going to honor them on Sunday morning. I want you to give all our leaders a big, big hand clap. All right? Come on. They deserve it. You guys are amazing. You know who you are, and we won't go by name. So thank you. Thank you so much. So let's get on with this service, because I know you guys don't want to hear me. So I want to ask my brother, Elson. You come up here, Elson, and... You can introduce the rest of the team because, of course, I know Quincy for many years, but, yeah. but Elson's a connect. <laughs> he's my brother, covenant brother, and he's family, so give him a big God bless. You. It's all, you,
2: all right. Cool. How's everybody doing? It's good to be in Hebronville. How did you say it? Hebronville. <laughs> So, Quincy's telling everybody in Laredo, oh yeah, we're preaching in Hebronville tonight. So, yeah. But it's good to be in Hebronville, Hebronville. Good to be back. And uh, back to family. Good to see you. 28 years, right? Wow, this seems like yesterday, right? So, another 100 years. You know, and um, the thing about a church like this is the vision and the heart behind that vision. I mean, it it keeps it going, you know, year after year. And so through the bad, through the good, uh, it keeps going. And and a vision really from the Lord. That's what's uh, very important that we get a vision from the Lord. So I don't want to take too much of Quincy's time tonight. I just want to introduce him and um all the way from south dakota he he's a pastor there rapid city south dakota and uh probably one of one of the best native uh, ministers out there that 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 focus on um, grace and um I'm the other one so uh, I said one one of uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, so just one other, yeah. but once you go uh everybody stand and just welcome Quincy for the very first time to Hepperville and to Texas. this is his first time to Texas. come on up, Quincy, Quincy, come on up, he's looking at he's looking at himself up there he's like. <laughs> But, man, we've been running together how long? Eight years. Eight years, yeah. Nine years? Eight. Something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. So we, uh, Nobody was a rock star, so he's the youngest. So we, <laughs> we've we been picking on him the whole weekend. So, and uh, ah. it's good that you're here.
3: Amen.
2: Amen. Yes. <laughs> so it's all yours.
3: All right. All right. All right. Am, I, am I mic'd up? Oh, there I am. All right. So we're in Fellowshipville. I thought I'd come here and tell you where you live. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's an honor to be here and good to see you all. And uh, I, uh, is my remote work? No? Okay, well you guys will have to just preach with me. All right, awesome. We're going to minister together and freely receive from Jesus. And before we get into it, uh, could you flip the slide? And uh, maybe uh, uh, Quincy Goodstar Ministries is on the Now Network. If you don't, uh, I'm on every Friday night at it's 2 a.m. your time. On several cable providers, Vexus, Livestream, Tiki Live. Uh, you can go to quincygoodstar.com and see how to view. Or you can download the Now Network television app and view from any smart device. And so, uh, uh, man, it's an honor to be here, brother. And thank you for having me. And uh, we checked it back there and it was working, but let me turn it. Can you click somewhere on the screen? What do they say? Unplug it and plug it back in. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just, how about when I go like this, flip the slides. So you're going to have to watch me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You're going to have to pay attention. I got the slides on here too, so I'll just go. All right. All right. Well, praise the Lord. You know, You can Google me and find out about me, but I want to talk to you about Jesus. You know, and while this message goes forth, I want to encourage you don't take notes. Uh, Get the recording or go back to the live stream, because while you're taking notes, you might just miss one word from Jesus that will set you free like never before. You know, truth makes you free. You know, and when Jesus said, truth, Shall make you free. He said this to people under the law who knew the law better than you and me, and he said, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So obviously, the truth is not what to do, what not to do. It's true, but it's not the truth of the gospel that makes you free. You find this phrase in the New Covenant the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. You know, the law is true, but it's not that it's not the truth that will make you free today. God actually says that the law will void your faith, and the law is not of faith. It's impossible to believe for God's blessings and try to work for them at the same time. This new covenant we are in, the Lord, he says, is a covenant of rest. Resting in what Jesus has finished for us. And from that foundation flows every blessing that, that there is. Peace, love, joy. You know, if you are trying to kick a bad habit, all these things not, don't come about by your performance, your trying, your doing, your achieving. It comes by resting in what Jesus has done and knowing this truth. And then what shows up as a side effect is a victorious life. And so you can say true transformation is effortless. Effortless for you. Because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and not your power. Well, what is all this resting business? You know, when, sometimes when people say, think resting, they think, oh, doing nothing. But you know, resting is doing something. You know, doing nothing is giving up, (laughs) you know, but resting in what Jesus has done, who he is, because who he is, is now who you are in him. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. Holiness isn't what you do. Holiness is who you are in. And then when you realize this, you end up doing holy things. However, you're not even aware of those holy things. You're only aware of Jesus. So now you truly are. You're not trying to be. And that's the kind of real heart transformation that Jesus is after. You know, not a pseudo-holiness of the outside. You know, The Pharisees have that. You know, If there was a Pharisee standing here, he'll tell you, to don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. But you know, and there's not a lack of that kind of preaching in the body of Christ. But yet, preaching that way, giving people the law, doesn't give them the power to do right. But what you're hearing imparts to you the power to do right. Effortlessly. You know, for the children, you know, let me put it like this. Isaiah 30. Oh, first test, first test. Uh-oh, uh-oh. For Isaiah 30 says, you know you're saved by resting? The Lord, he says, the Holy One of Israel, he said, this is what the Lord God says, in returning and rest you shall be saved. You know, by resting, you're saved. And this word saved is so rich in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it's actually the word yasha. All right, all right. And you know what? It's actually where we get the word yashua. And it literally means to be delivered, to be saved. You need deliverance from bad habits, worries, fears. Resting is your way out. You, say, you, can really, you can say, resting is your way to be Yeshua. And he says, to save from moral troubles. You know, he says, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Isn't that interesting? Can we go back one? He says, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. In quietness and rest here, guess what? Same word. And it also means peace. Because when you're resting, we're not talking about resting from activity. We're talking about resting in the midst of activity. Resting in your mind and resting in your heart. Despite what you see, despite what you don't see. He says, this is quietness and confidence. And the last thing that you want to do when things don't seem to go how you think they should go, how you want them to go, for your business, for your ministry, for your family. The last thing you want to do is rest. I got to do something. Because look at the last part. But you would not. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's interesting that that in us, and God calls it the flesh. You know, the flesh isn't... uh, Uh, lying, stealing, cheating, that kind of thing. Those are the works of the flesh. There's something deeper than that. The flesh that wants to do, that wants to perform, that wants to achieve, that doesn't want to rest. We have to do something. I was talking to somebody about these things, and I was trying to explain to them not to worry. And they said, well, somebody's got to worry about it. (laughs) And and see, the enemy has lied to many of you and said that if you're not worrying about it, then you're being irresponsible. But the most responsible thing you can do is give it to Jesus. You know, Jesus, he operates in the realm of rest and the finished work. You know, you can't say to a man, put out your hand when you see that it's withered. Without seeing the finished work. Right? You know, you can't say to a man who's lame, stand on your feet, if you don't see that the work is finished. And what you're doing is you're resting in what Jesus has said is already yours. Jesus died for your healing, your protection, your forgiveness, your peace. Your provision. Never doubt these things. Jesus, he died for you to have them. You know, you could really say too that, you know, it's interesting that when, when, when man fell, you know what the first thing they did? You could really put, put it this way as well. Man, he's in the middle of a finished work, right? God creates everything first and then creates man last and puts him in the middle of a finished work for him to enjoy and then he loses his rest you can say because and he loses his rest by not resting in who he already is he he falls for a lie and that lie is if you eat from that tree you'll be like the lord Isn't that interesting? And that tree was called the knowledge of what's good, what's bad. It wasn't the tree of sin. It was the tree of the knowledge of what's good, what's bad. It typifies the law. And that's your average preaching today. If you keep the law, you'll be like the Lord. Wow. But the trouble is, they were already like the Lord. And so they were trying to do something that has already been done. And then, they, you could say, they moved from their high place of the finished work, resting in who they already were. And then, by trying to perform and achieve, trying to earn, caused the fall. Now this is interesting. And then the first thing that they did was they went to work. Who taught them that? They immediately went to sewing and trying to cover themselves. Who taught them that? You know, it's something in us, and it's called the flesh, that wants to do. You, know, ever, you notice this? When somebody gets saved, when you got saved, when I got saved, we all wanted to prove ourselves to Jesus. I want to show you how sorry I am. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you know. It's like you don't have to teach people how to uh, work for Jesus, you know, but you do have to teach people how to rest in Jesus. It shows that working for your blessings is very natural, but resting in what Jesus has done takes a revelation. And the Lord, he says, these are his ways. Here, another one. In Hebrews 3, the Lord, he says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, say today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Say, my works. You notice know, this, not your works, his works. And he says, Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Say, My ways. He says, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Say, My rest. You notice this God's ways are ways of rest. Can you see it? My ways, my rest. Amazing. You know, when things go wrong, you know, the last thing you want to do, it's like in us, we want to do something about it. And when Pharaoh's chariots are coming and your back is against the Red Sea, (laughs) the last thing you want to do is stand still. Right, And I used to work with horses when I was, I was going to say when I was young, but I'm still young. (laughs) And uh, Belgians, and just hearing like three Belgians run, man, the ground, it thunders. And so you could imagine a whole army of chariots, horses, thundering the ground shaking, dust coming up on the horizon, and there's nowhere to go. I imagine in my mind's eye that some of them maybe jumped in. Maybe somebody, some left. Some weren't standing still. But you know, that's what God's direction was. He said, stand still. He says, because today you shall see my salvation. But that word salvation there in Hebrew, he said, you'll see my Yeshua. It's not the word for salvation. It's the word Jesus. Stand still because you'll see Jesus. And God calls these his ways. But what's amazing is we're not, I'm, we're not saying do nothing because when you're actually resting, you end up actually outdoing and outperforming anyone else who might be working for their Salvation. This is the way uh, Paul put it. Paul said, I outlabored them all. He said, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. (laughs) Amazing. Then you just become aware of Jesus. You're not even aware of your deeds. You become genuine. You know, here, Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, since a promise remains... Of entering his rest. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. You know this is the only place in the Bible. Where God tells you to be afraid of something. And he says be afraid. You're not resting. In Jesus as your righteousness. In Jesus as your wisdom. Your holiness. Your redemption. He is everything. That we are not. And who he is is now who we are in him as a gift. And he says, be, He says, be afraid you're not resting in this truth. Amazing. But you know what's interesting? You know, the Lord, he says, not to be afraid of your bills, not to be afraid of your health issues, not to be afraid of uh, your children going astray. He says, don't be afraid of these things. However, we are afraid of all those things. <laughs> Right? He says, don't be afraid of that. And we are afraid of those things. And the one thing that God says to be afraid of, he says, be afraid you're not resting. We're not afraid of that one bit. (laughs) Not one bit at all. (laughs) And he says, for indeed the good news was preached to us as well as to them, but the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. He says, for we who have believed do enter that rest. You notice this. The Lord equates believing with resting. There's no higher form of, you know, the highest form of faith is unconscious. You're not even aware of it. And so you can, and he says this, we who have faith rest. You can read it that way. You know, when the tax man calls unexpectedly or the bank account gets a hit unexpectedly, you can say, oh, you know what? I have these promises that Jesus, he'll provide for my every need according to his riches and glory. And so you're not rocked by that. You know, let's read on. He says, For he who has entered his rest, say his rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. You know, you hear a lot of things in your average Christianity. You hear this message quite a bit. Be like God. Be like God. Gotta be like God. Be like him. Do this like him. Well, if you want to be like the Lord... Cease from your works as God did from his. That's one you seldom hear, right? He says, you entered his rest. He says, then you cease from trying to earn your blessings because you know that there's nothing for me to earn because I now have because of Jesus. This is what Jesus means by when you pray for something, He says, believe you already have it, right? That's living in the realm of rest and the finished work. He says, believe you have it. He says, and as God did from his... You know why God quit working? Because the work is finished. (laughs) It's real simple. (laughs) He says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, this is real interesting. You notice this the Lord calls somebody who's not resting disobedience. But you know what this kind of disobedience is? It's disobeying believing right. Because today in the new covenant, the Lord isn't judging you, basing you on your performance. You've already been judged righteous when you received Jesus by Jesus' performance. And he says, you know what? He says, disobeying, believing right, you know, believing right is everything. Because what you believe is who you are. Somebody's politics is made up by what they believe. Somebody's life is made up by what they believe. You can really say this as well. You know the fall of man came about by a wrong belief? It was a wrong belief. Everything was finished for them. They were already like the Lord. And then they ended up believing wrong. And there was so much going on there in that, that lie of the enemy. Because one of those lies was, you have to perform to become. Another lie was, you know what? God isn't that good. You know, he's holding back from you. But if you eat from that tree, you'll be like him and you'll know how to get. When all the while, you already had it. Now, you're in Faithway Church, awesome church building. Now, can you, can you imagine the frustration of trying to be here in the building? You're here. You're righteous as a gift. You're accepted in the beloved. You're complete in Jesus. Now, what do you want the Lord to do for you? You know, the Lord, he says, you notice this, and we all quote this verse Hebrews 4:12 for the word of God is living and powerful but you notice this in the context it's a word of rest he says make sure you work real hard to rest isn't that, isn't that an interesting statement and somebody might say well resting as easy is it you give it a try <laughs> When the mortgage is (laughs) due, when nobody's tithing, oh, I mean, (laughs) you give it a try. (laughs) I tell you what, this is why he says, work hard at resting. And this is interesting. It's the only place in the New Covenant where the Lord says to work at something. He says, you want to work? Work hard at resting in this truth. And then he says this, because the word of God is living and powerful. It's a word of rest. You notice this? First it's alive and then it's powerful in your life. Amazing. I tell you what, you know. A man with withered legs cannot even attempt to stand if he doesn't believe that the work is finished. Amazing. Next slide. You know, here... This is what uh, First Chronicles 22 says, Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. You know, David wanted to build God a house. Remember that story? And this is what God said to him. He said, you know what? You shed too much blood. You can't build me a house. In other words, he said this, you know, those who warfare all the time, you know, can't build God's house. Who's God's house today? You. You are. You are the temple. You're God's house. He lives in you. You know how... Let me me put it like this as well to encourage you. You know the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? Amen. Amen? Now, the God who cannot even look at sin lives in you. That's how clean the blood of Jesus has made you. You are so clean so complete, so accepted in the beloved. The God who can't even look at sin lives in you. I just sense believing come alive. And he says this, so he says, you know what? But a son will be born to you and he'll be a man of rest. And I'll give him rest from all his enemies all around. And his name shall be peace. Solomon means peace. He says for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days and he shall build a house for my name you know by rest the house is built what are you wanting from the lord it doesn't come by your earning the only thing that comes that we the only way we anybody receives anything from the lord is by grace the chiefest blessing Salvation. Did you earn it? No. How much more? All the lesser ones. This is what the, Lord, the way the Lord puts it. As you have received Christ, so walk in him. That's what the scripture says. Did you earn Jesus? So walk in him. <laughs> so walk in him. The Lord isn't holding back anything from you. That was a lie from the pit of hell that he actually perpetuated at the fall. You know, God, uh, he's not that good. You know, he's, uh, he's keeping you from that tree right there. But if you perform well enough, you know, you'll be like him. Man, that's your average sermon. And so, the way that This house is built to get rid of worries, doubts, fears, anxieties. Doesn't come by learning to cope. You can go to a worldly seminar, a psychology seminar in the world. And they teach you how to cope. But our Jesus, our gospel, freely gives you victory to overcome. And while this message is going forth, these words of Jesus that are alive and that are powerful are going to places in your heart, in your body, in your mind, in your soul, and and imparting life to your mortal body, clearing out arteries you didn't even know needed clearing out, causing high blood pressure to come in normal range that you didn't even know needed it. That he's out there working on your nephew's behalf. I believe that's a word for somebody. On your grandchildren's behalf, on your in your job, in your supervisor's heart, in the judge's heart and mind, in your attorney's mind. All while you sit here resting at Jesus' feet, receiving from Jesus. You know Jesus, he said that's the one thing that's needed. He says, one thing is needful. We would have believed him more if he would have said, you know what? Seven things are needful. And then somebody else would have came out with a sermon the following weekend, eight things are needful. And then the next week, oh yeah, now there's nine things that are needful. <laughs> I was preaching at a conference in uh, South Carolina and, uh, just uh, not too long ago. And now... Uh, they, somebody brought out eight mountains, right? And so I leaned over to the person next to me, I said, soon to be nine. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's how we do though, right? You know, God gives ten commandments, the Jews give 613, more on top of that, is, <laughs> I just gave you ten, you know? In our Lakota culture, we have seven sacred values at that, that's law to us, you know? And... uh <laughs> Then now there's 10. Then I've seen 12. We'll see more. (laughs) But this is what the Lord, he says, you know, this is how your house is built. He says this. He says, and the temple. Who's the temple? You. And he says this. When it was being built, was built with stone finish at the quarry so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. You know what that says to us? what the type is, the shadow, that there's no self-effort involved in the building of this temple. None whatsoever. As long as you just believe correctly, rest in this truth in who Jesus has made you, not who you're trying to be, who he has made you. He says all the rest will show up in your life. It's so important what you believe. Because, you know, have you ever noticed this? There's a, there is a, a, a doctrine out called Galatianism. And it's actually mixing law and grace. And it's called Galatianism, which is neither. Neither Old Covenant or New. And that's why Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Because they were mixing Old Covenant into the New, which is neither. But when Paul wrote to the Galatian church... You notice Paul in all of his other epistles, he always says, hey, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Even the most corrupt church, the Corinthian church, there was people going to temple prostitutes, there was people getting drunk at communion, there was sexual immorality running abound in there. And he even says, grace and peace to you, and you all come behind in no gift, except... To the Galatian church. To the Galatian church, he punches right out the gate and says, I marvel Who, uh, so soon that you turned away from the grace of Christ to another gospel. Who bewitched you? Let him be accursed, even if an angel comes and preaches that to you. Let that angel be accursed. He, said, he just comes out the gate and starts saying this stuff. Why? You know Why? And why doesn't he do that to the most corrupt church? The Corinthian church. You know why? Because the Corinthian church, they got the right doctrine. And Paul knows as long as they continue to believe correctly, they'll be all right. They'll come out of it. They'll be okay. And he even says to them, the way Paul corrects them, don't you know you are the temple? So why would you unite the temple with a harlot? That's his way of correcting, reminding them who they are, who you are. But the Galatian church, because their doctrine is all wrong, oh my goodness, everything will be wrong. If the foundation is wrong, the whole building will be wrong. And so you've been trying real hard to not worry And it hasn't worked. You've been trying real hard not to be anxious. But these things come, notice this, as fruits. Fruits of the Spirit, not the fruit of your doing. That's why at the end of the fruits of the Spirit it says, against such there is no law. Because what are you going to do? Tell a guy who's full of self-control, don't get drunk? He's full of self-control. What do you going to tell a guy, uh, uh, be good to your wife? He's full of love. You know, the law is actually, I'll just say, it, an insult. is an insult for me to come in and preach the law to you, to God's people. You know why? God says that the law is for kindergartners. The world needs the law. So the law could do its job, bring them to their knees, and bring them to Jesus. And once they come to Jesus, this is what the Lord says, the law is now happy to go. Because the world needs the law. But it's a hindrance to the church. He says the law is for the lawless. God doesn't call you a lawless people. He doesn't call save people sinners. He doesn't call save people sick. Right. You know, it's like if I just got if you came over to my house, right? And I just got done cooking some fry bread for you, Lakota style. <laughs> <laughs> and I came, you came over, and I said to you, "Oh yeah, yeah. Look, look, this stove. No touch, no touch. Hot, hot." touched, hot. You'd be kind of insulted, right? (laughs) Because you're an adult, right? You're a full-grown adult. You know it's hot. (laughs) That's what it's like, giving the law to someone who's righteous as a gift. (laughs) You know, and God calls that kindergarten level. It doesn't even take the Spirit of God to understand the law. But it takes the Spirit to get a revelation that, wow, Jesus, He is my righteousness. Therefore, I'm righteous as a gift in Him. And then you end up becoming what you believe you are. as a man thinks in his heart. And so many Christians struggle today because they still think that they're the old man trying to get better. When Jesus, he says that he sees you as complete and finished. You know, Jesus doesn't clean up lives, you can say. He gives you a brand new life, and that brand new life he gives you is clean. So a Christian isn't someone who used to use and now they are sober. Or somebody who used to be mean and fight all the time and now they're nice. The Lord says someone in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, there's a place in uh, in uh, the Old Covenant between Egypt and Mount Sinai. And it's a picture of pure grace because they all came out by grace. Not all of them were living right, but they all came out. It's all by undeserved favor. You can say this, they came out by the blood and feeding on Jesus. As long as the blood was on them, it didn't matter what was going on in the house. They all came out. Because Joshua said this, got to be clear. By the way, we're against sin. But believing right will give you victory over sins. But let me say this. This is what Joshua said to the people of Israel. He said, Put away the gods your fathers served in Egypt. That's what he said. So there were Jews that were serving the bird head God, the wolf head God, those gods, but they all came out. Now, Because they're under the same covenant as you and I today. Righteous by believing. Abraham. Covenant of Abraham. Now when they came out to Mount Sinai, there was one fight. One fight that they fought. And it was a place called Resting Places. Rephidim. Literally means resting place. And a guy named Amalek came and fought them. And you know what... uh, Amal means in Hebrew, literally means toilsome labor. You can't make this up. And it's the only fight that you have today is to remain at rest in your mind and in your heart despite what you see. That's the only fight that you have today. And then Moses, he sent Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, to go and fight. Who does the fighting? Yeshua. You know, it was awesome, too, because Moses, he got tired, right? And they were so wise because they said they put a stone under him. Jesus is the stone. And they said they made him sit down. You know, when John seen the 24 elders seated around the throne of Israel... You know what? He said he's seen them all sitting. Sitting is a position of rest. Today you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, a position of rest. And he says the elders were sitting when he seen them on the thrones. That means this, those who are mature know how to rest. You ever notice this about the elders? He says, let the sick call for the elders of the church. The elders ain't sick. He doesn't say, go and find some elders that are healthy enough to pray for you. And then, Moses, he sat down and a guy named Hur and Aaron, his brother, held up his hands. And by the way, hands are a picture of what you do. And held up his hands. But Aaron means light bringer. And her literally means freedom. And so revelations bring light into your life, right? Into the dark areas. It's bringing light, revelations of your freedom. That brings about victory in your life. Not what to do, what not to do. How do I get? Not formulas. It's revelations of who you already are in Jesus. You know, that's how God says you're transformed. He says we are transformed by beholding Jesus. He says we are saved by looking at Jesus. Actually, that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Everyone who looked, nothing easier than looking, looked at the serpent. And it's a serpent, a bronze serpent on a bronze pole. A serpent is a cursed creature. And I think it's amazing that a a, a serpent can typify Jesus. When is this? At the cross when he became a curse. And you say, and bronze means judgment. So you look at the bronze serpent on the pole, and he said, There was my judgment. There was my condemnation. There my sin was paid for. And he says, You're saved. Nothing easier than looking. You know, the enemy can't handle a believer who's at rest in their heart, in their mind. The enemy cannot manage or control a believer who's at rest in their heart and in their mind. You know, you notice this. When you're not at rest, you make foolish decisions. You even fall into accidents. It's amazing. You know, when you... uh, And when you're not at rest in your heart and mind you end up trying to control people. You end up trying to control situations as well. Oh, I if I I gotta put this fire out and put this fire out, put this one out and, and uh you know I, I got and it, you know so and so if they could just treat me better and I could get them to act right. You know, this is a person who's not at rest. You know, I you know I Complaining is the language of unrest, you can say. And it's interesting when, when toilsome labor came fighting the children of Israel, they were complaining. They lost their rest and here comes toilsome labor. Amazing. But you know, someone at rest in their heart in mind I tell you what, you can't rock them. You notice this. uh, The scripture actually says, quietness and confidence shall be your assurance forever. This is somebody at rest. And somebody's only at rest when they know all these things are for free. You become unrestful, emotional, when you think that you haven't done something that you should have, or you did something you shouldn't have. Because when, the, when Amalek came and fought them in their resting places, you know what, they, always, they ask this question, is the Lord among us or not? And every time the enemy tries to taint your rest, it's always with a question. When man fell, The very first attack of the enemy you can say. A question. It's always a question. Is God really with me? Did I do something? Did I not do something? That's right. Back to the law, Pastor Kelvin said. And all these questions are self-focused. And you know, the enemy the only kind of believer that he can manage is one who's full of cares. Because he has been disarmed, you know? Jesus doesn't even talk to him anymore. He, he's not a contemporary of Jesus. He can't even compare. And he's actually even under your feet. Because Jesus said he gave you all power over all the enemy. And when God talks about standing against the wiles of the devil, that word wiles in the Greek literally means deceits. It's not even true. And then God calls spiritual attacks in your life imaginations, he said. He said, it ain't even going on. It's all in here. Because for the enemy to... Taint your peace. Taint your rest. Get you out of your high place of resting in Jesus. He has to get you to believe a lie first. And therefore, you end up using your own power against yourself. Man, that crafty little devil. But don't feel bad for him. (laughs) But this is what he does. 1 Peter 5 says, Casting all your care on Jesus... And the rest of this verse is beautiful. He says, because he cares for you. Jesus wants you to cast your cares on him because he loves you. You notice this? He says, casting. It's not casted. Casted be one time. But all of us, we need to continually be casting all day, every day, throughout the day, Keep giving those cares to Jesus as they come. Because, you know, somehow the Bible says that the enemy can put a thought in your mind. That's what he says. He says, having put into the heart of Judas. But when he talks to you, he makes it sound like you. Because it's counterproductive for the enemy to be noticed. The very first time he comes on the scene, the Lord gives a clue on his tactics. He says, now the serpent is more subtle. He's not obvious. It's to his advantage that you don't notice. And and he doesn't say, you're a lousy Christian. He'll say, I'm a lousy Christian. And then you think it's you. And it's not. You know, there's like so there's your voice in you, God's voice, and the enemy he he talks to you too. And I believe that every believer needs to come to a place of maturity where you realize which is which. You know, that's why you had that dream, that ugly dream, and you woke up and you thought, Why in the did I dream that? I don't want that. Maybe that was just me. You guys look very saved. So, all right, <laughs> because that dream wasn't your desires. It wasn't you. It was the enemy. Or sometimes you, uh, and that's what he is I, because he wants you to be full of cares. He says because it's tied up into the next verse. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, he has to seek because he's not all-powerful. Look, you are here tonight. If he was all-powerful, you never would have gave your life to Jesus. And he says this, seeking whom he may devour. This word devour in the Greek, very interesting. It means to overwhelm. And we've been there, haven't we? Where you felt overwhelmed. But you know what the Lord says? It's not real. It's only going on in here. Don't let it drop in here. And how it drops in your heart, he says, is by your saying. He said, Jesus, he said, take no thought, saying. What are we going to eat? How do you take thought? By saying. What are we going to do? Is the Lord with us or not? What's going on? He says, don't take that thought. You know, the best sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, is all about rest. It's a no thought for your life sermon. He says, take no thought for tomorrow. He says, don't worry about your business. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your mortgage. Your Heavenly Father knows you need all these things. He says, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. You know, it's not your righteousness, his righteousness. He says that all these things will be added to you. Uh, that word added, you know what that means? You have. He didn't say given, he said added. Because you have. And so the enemy wants you to be full of cares. And it's amazing, the first place Jesus bled was from the mind, the head. And it's interesting to me, he's crucified on a place, too, called the skull. You know, the Lord, he says, it's with the mind we serve the Lord. And so the enemy wants to get your mind full of cares. And he says this, he says, he walks about like a roaring lion. Roaring lion. You know, let the Bible interpret the Bible. And in Proverbs, God, he says, the wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. And so the enemy, his deceit is trying to get the believer to think that God is upset at you. God isn't all for you. God may be mad at you. That's why he's not, you're not seeing what you want to see. But you know what? If you're not seeing something that you want to see in your life, then it's not meant for me. You know, that's a position of rest. You know, where the Lord, he says, to guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. That word guard in Hebrew... One of the definitions for it is accept, accept it. You know, there's like power in acceptance. You know, when somebody tries, when, when, if you aren't in control of your emotions, you try to control other people because only if they didn't break up with me and then you run over there and... Will you please take me back because I will change. I won't do that. I won't like her pictures anymore. (laughs) You know, you're trying to change them when they already made a decision. When all the while is, you know what? I accept it. It is what it is. And you let it fly. And God calls it guarding your heart. You know, there's a lot of power in it is what it is. There's a lot of power in that, you know. (laughs) Can't change it, it is what it is. So you know what, I'm just going to keep going. There's a lot of power in that. It is what it is. I tell you what. And then he says, when you fall for those lies, then you end up becoming, feeling overwhelmed. Next slide, please. You know, there's a place that you can be. A point of believing, you can say. Where nothing will rock you. Might at first, but it won't affect your life. In First Kings 5 says, But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. But this is what you need to see. This word adversary in Hebrew, it's not the word for adversary. It's literally the word Satan. He says, you know what? God given me rest on every side. There's no Satan. And I ain't saying there's no devil because there is. But he said, you know what? Nor evil occurrence.'" Another way, you know, this is what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has given you rest on every side and put the enemy under your feet. And he says, nor evil occurrence. You know, it says evil occurrence. Well, I've been going through some evil things, you know. You know what? Jesus has this promise for you, child of God. Whatever it is. He says, I promise I'll work it out. You'll come out shining. Well, they died, Pastor. Well, are they in a better place? You know, a lot of time when we cry, when somebody passes on, and I've been there, we're really crying for ourselves. Because your loved one who passed on, they would not come back if they wanted to. If they had the opportunity. Everybody who's been to the other side and came back, they all say the same thing. I didn't want to come back. See, you think about your kids or your grandkids, your spouse, but the moment you see Jesus, you'll be like, they'll be all right. We'll see each (laughs) other soon enough. I'm just going to stay here. They're okay. And Jesus, he actually promises you this from the Bible. You'll be together again. You'll see them again. And I believe that's a word for someone. You'll see them again. You'll be together again. And that loved one who passed on, God says somehow they can see you. And they're cheering you on right now. From that great cloud of witnesses, they're cheering you on. They can see you. They're saying, Keep going, mija. Keep going, Miho, We'll see each other again. You know, that's really by the Holy Spirit because I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> you know, sister, I, I hear the Spirit of the Lord. You right there at the pink, short hair. The Lord is saying that to you. You know, you experienced a... I hear the word great loss. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, He's making up for it. He's making up for it. And for every tear, He's compensating you. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, that many of you have cried tears, that have been seen, and some of you have cried tears that haven't been seen. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that he's going to compensate you for every tear. You know, he says that he keeps track of your tears in a bottle. Why would the Lord do that? He always does everything for a purpose. And this purpose is because he's going to compensate you for every single one. Every single tear, he's compensating you. Every single one. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, Heart palpitations. Who are you? Just put your hand up right where you are. Okay. All right. Was that you? All right. All right. Zaria, will you go back there and put your hand on her shoulder there? It's right in the corner, yep. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, you're not going to experience those anymore. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we declare our sister healed and whole. And Father, thank you, Father, for strengthening her heart, giving her a brand new heart. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 You know, we're going to close with this last slide. But the Lord, he says, having been justified by faith, you have peace with God. He says, Isaiah said, the work of righteousness will be peace. You know, you are righteous as a gift and resting in that truth produces peace. He says, and the effect of righteousness, there's an effect to resting in your righteousness as a gift. And he says, look, it's peace, it's rest, quietness. And what? Security. Security. Forever. security forever. You know, Jesus says you're sealed by the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Guarantee. The God who cannot lie said, I guarantee you. He's keeping you. He's providing for you. He's encouraging you. He's fighting your enemies, making your enemies your footstool. Healing your heart your mind, your body, forever. Then look at the next verse. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet, resting places. You know, there's a tactic that Daniel prophesied about. He said that the Antichrist and anything Against Jesus is Antichrist. So you could say, preaching the law, that somebody is righteous by what they do. You know what? It's against Jesus. Because Jesus says, he's your righteousness. But this is what Daniel said he, the enemy would do. He says, in the last days, he said, the Antichrist will wear out the saints of God. But what's interesting is a lot of saints of God are getting worn out not by doing bad things. Doing a whole lot of good stuff. And God not telling them to do one of those good things. But the Lord will tell you to do that one God thing. And it will produce all the results and more than all those ten good things that you were doing and wearing yourself out. You know, every time you give a yes. When you meant a no. You complicate your life. But, you th- but, but the enemy has lied to you. And said, oh, you, you can't say no. You're a Christian. you got to be good. And it's bad if you say no. You need to love yourself and say no. and remain at rest that you are righteous as a gift and i hear and you notice this you know psalm 23 it's like the world's most famous psalm you know and this he says that he he makes you to lie down you notice this he has to make us <laughs> that's us <laughs> He says, by the green pastures, by the still waters. You know what that is for a sheep? The place of receiving. You know, sheep eat grass, drink water, still waters. You know, and I hear the Spirit of the Lord that He's imparting to you a mentality and heart and believing to rest in what He has done for you in what He has finished for you. Like never before. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just to rest in that identity that you already have. Don't worry about not worrying. Don't worry about not sinning. You know what? Just be aware of Jesus and who he made you. And guess what? The worry will go. The sins will go. Just look to Jesus and the provision will be there. Don't worry about the provision. It'll be there. And I just want to pray for you, and then I'm going to sit down and rest, okay? Like you guys. <laughs> Some of you are in deep rest, I could tell. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys are listening. <laughs> Put your hand on your own heart, huh? And just repeat after me, okay? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, change the way I think to rest in your righteousness as a gift. Who you are for me, to me, in me, through me, Help me to rest in your truth like never before. In the name of Jesus. Help me to have this mentality of rest and security forever. You are my healing. You are my obedience. You're my victory. You're my wisdom. You're my righteousness. You're my redemption. You're my sanctification. And right now, because I'm in you, as you are, so am I in this world. In the name of Jesus, I'm healthy. I'm whole. I'm at peace. My family is provided for, is saved. Blessed, protected, and at peace in the name of Jesus. Now, right where you are, put your hands like this, okay? I'm going to do something. Let's put them right there, okay? Now look in your hands, okay? And what you are most full of cares about, just picture them right there in your hands, right? Now Jesus, he's standing in front of you. And he is. And he has his hands out. And he wants these cares. Now just put your hands up and put them in Jesus' hands, okay? Just like that. Give them to Jesus. Ah. Did you feel that? Now they're in Jesus' hands. He's taking care of them all. And don't take them back. And you're going to see victory and results manifest in that area that you just gave to Jesus, that you just prayed for. You're going to see it. At your next doctor's appointment, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, you're going to get a good report. You're going to get a good report. At the next court hearing, who are you? I believe there's some online as well. Just put your hand up at the next court hearing. Yep. You're going to receive undeserved favor in that courtroom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And the Lord, he says, signs and wonders confirm his word. And so we might be closing out this first night, but guess what? Signs and wonders will still be following you all throughout the weekend, all throughout this week, confirming the word that you're hearing. Amen? All right. Let's give Jesus a hand. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Amen.
1: Thank you, Quincy. You know it's amazing, you know, Quincy and I I you know I, did, I didn't tell what we we're on or what we talked about. But those of you that are from our church heard him been, like six weeks on digging around the Sermon on the Mount and learning about all that and he brought it up. So I just love when the Lord connects all that and you know, there's a saying that it didn't come from a Christian guy, but it, it applies completely as a philosopher, and he said, we suffer more in our imagination than we do in reality, and Seneca said that, and, you know, this thing is not hard, church, this thing is not hard, religion has made it hard, legalism has made it hard, all these things have made it very complicated, but, you know, serving God is not hard, amen? I'll take a few moments of your time, and I'm going to let them know they had that situation in the radio. they weren't able to get here on time, so I'm, I want them to set up their tables, they brought products, they brought...